What's up, Elite Army? This is your kind of well, kind of toxic host, Sarah Rittendale, bringing you another episode of Well Ish. Heidi Smith, welcome to Well Ish. I'm so excited that you're here with me today. Thank you so much for inviting me, Sarah. I'm excited for the conversation. Yes, me too. So I like to let my guests tell me who they are. I feel like it gives a good image of you kind of highlighting what your purpose is and what messaging you want to try to get across. So take it away. Who are you? Who is Heidi Smith? What do you do? Well, uh, Heidi Smith is a work in progress, like all of us. And um, I am a speaker, an author, a transformation guide. And My purpose is to share the message that better is possible. Wherever you are in your life, there's more. There's more happiness. There's more abundance. You know, it's, I believe this life is about opening up to the love and joy that's available to us. And so, I do whatever I can to facilitate that for people, like to share what I've learned, um, to pay it forward, right? And um, I am a master coach and trainer in accelerated evolution, which is the modality that I use uh, to assist people in um, integrating their challenges to live their best life. So our feelings are gifts. And so I work with people to embrace their emotions, express them, and then learn the wisdom that their emotions have to teach them. I love that. Cool. So I really wanted to chat with you today, kind of like what I was just saying to you is I feel like you and I have aligning thought processes, mindsets around self-improvement. It seems like you believe as do I, that we are already the best versions of ourselves. And you said something interesting before we were recording that you would challenge when I said that we're a work in progress, you're never going to be perfect. You said you would argue that you already are. Can you elaborate on that? I love that. Yeah. Well, my belief is that we are infinite beings, right? We came into this life perfect and we're here for lessons. So This life journey is about learning to experience the love that's available to us. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we come into the world as joy. We are joyful beings. That's our natural state. And then life happens and we have these experiences that get in the way of, of feeling the joy that we are. And so it's, you know, when people come to work with me, It's all about them just learning to remember. It's about them remembering who they are, that they are perfect, whole, and complete in this moment. Mm -hmm. They are doing the best that they can and their best is good enough. And this is, it's a journey, right? It's not a destination. Right, right, absolutely. I like that you say that your best is good enough too, because I feel like that really gets lost, that you think that there's this, not, there's not a destination. You think that there's this destination that you're trying to get to. It's this magical transformative place. One day you're going to wake up and things are going to be perfect, but it's not, there's no one size fits all for being the best version of yourself. So I like the way that you word that. Can you tell me 
your breakthrough moment? Like what was, what was happening that you were like, oh my God, it's a process. Oh my God, I'm good enough as I am. Oh my gosh, I'm, you know, already doing everything. It's okay to do my best and that's enough. What did that look like? Well, it's a series of breakthroughs, right? Like we are all evolving. And so my evolution, I took my first workshop when I was 15 years old. Uh, I took my first five-day workshop when I was 19. So I'm when now- When you say workshop, you're talking like self-improvement workshop? I am, yeah. Okay. Personal development workshop. Yeah, okay. Um, so, you know, I started young and I had many breakthrough moments along the way, which we all do. Because the thing is, is that, you know, I am up-leveling myself. I'm always looking for the best life I can have. And so I'm preparing myself to receive that because it's here it's available to me there's love everywhere and you know the learning is how to receive the love how to believe that I deserve the love and all of these things mm-hmm. and so um yeah there's been so many breakthroughs um of course uh stopping drinking because I was an alcoholic that was a major major moment in my life when I stopped poisoning myself Because I had been on a spiritual journey from a young age, going to meditation retreats and reading all the books and, you know, meeting Mother Amon, doing all these things. But because I was um, drinking alcoholically, I couldn't absorb any of those lessons. I wasn't behaving. I wasn't taking action with all of these beautiful things that I learned because I was too busy self-sabotaging. Um, by abusing alcohol. That's so interesting because I feel like I know a lot of people, I mean, I wouldn't, I'm not an alcoholic, but I do drink and enjoy, I'm 25. Like I go out and I do that, but then I always, every single time feel like, well, now I feel like ass. Now I'm not doing what is what serves my best self because I don't feel well. Um, I'm behaving out of character when I am intoxicated. But so I think that for myself, but also I've had friends that are very into self-development and meditation and trying to be the best version of themselves. But because they've gotten to this point, which I think you relate to through, they've gotten to this point because they have experienced trauma. They've experienced these like hardships that they're still self-medicating with drugs or alcohol. And it's like, you're trying to do both and you have to realize that you can't do both. Is that true? Absolutely. In, in, In my experience, it's, it's all about choosing yourself. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you have to act as if you love yourself, even when you don't feel like you do. Right. Mm -hmm. And the thing about addiction is that, you know, addiction for me ultimately was a spiritual lesson, right? It took me, it took me down. Like I had to hit a bottom that, you know, they talk about this in recovery where I felt absolutely horrible. Like my life was completely falling apart. And so as human beings, we don't want to change. Human beings resist change. And Mm -hmm. so I changed because my life depended on it. I was going to die if I didn't. Yeah. So that's, that's how it worked for me. Yeah, absolutely. Can you tell me what pre-transformed Heidi acted like and what she felt like? 
Oh yeah. Um, you know, I, my book making friends with the boogeyman transforming tragedy into triumph is my story because I felt horrible. Like, I mean, I, uh, suffered from intense self-hatred and, you know, it's, it's an inside job, just like, just like uh, transformation is an inside job. So is self-sabotage. Like it all happened between my ears. I was the one that was torturing myself. I was the one that was beating myself up. And, you know, that's where the drugs and alcohol came in is because like you were saying, I, I would drink to feel better. And then I'd wake up feeling worse because I was doing things I was ashamed of. Yeah. Totally. I, you know, I, it was, I was, you know, I like remember specifically when, um, I was taking drugs, uh, addictively and I started stealing and mm -hmm. I was, I was watching myself stealing, which is something I would never do like that. You know, integrity is important to me. And I'm like, who is this person? Yes. Yeah. That's what's so wild is it's like you consciously know that these things do not align with the elite version of you, but you're acting or you're still doing it because it's just a habit. Like you said, change is hard. Change. you. We resist change. And it's just and what so, you know. It's easier. It scared me so bad because I knew you have these, you know, aha moments in your life. And so that was one of the aha moments was like, I am losing myself. And if I continue on this path, I will disappear. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it was that moment of clarity where I was like, oh my God, okay, I got to stop doing that. Mm -hmm. I got to stop doing the drugs. So I, you know, I was living in a house with a drug dealer because that was very convenient. Sure. <laughs> I moved out, right? It's like, you gotta get away from these things. Like you can't stay in a, uh, an environment full of drugs and think you're going to stop doing them because that's ridiculous. Absolutely. So what's interesting about that is I feel like what a lot of people struggle with is when they do decide to make that, that change, you, did you experience loneliness? Like that you're oh, yeah. changing your life. You got to move out from the person you've been living with. I mean, that had to be so hard. It, it, to be honest, it was not that hard because okay. I was desperate. Like, this is the thing. It, it was a desperation um, to get away from that life. I didn't mm. want that life. I knew it was dangerous. And, and I didn't have any meaningful relationships in that life because there isn't an opportunity to, con to, to connect with people on a real level when you're always stoned. Like, that yeah. just doesn't work. And sure. this is what addiction is, is addiction is looking for connection and never getting it mm -hmm. because you're in a world that you're never going to find it. The only way to have true connection with another human being is to be open to them and to look them in the eye and, you know, to reach out and, and have real conversations. Yeah, totally. It's that's just not possible when, when you're addicted. Uh, it wasn't for me anyhow. I mean, I tried, I'd have these quote unquote meaningful conversations, but nothing, nothing stuck. Right. And so, um, you know, getting away from the drugs honestly, wasn't that hard for me. It was much harder to stop drinking because I, the drugs was a short stint in my life, but alcohol, I started drinking uh, the first, the first time I was drunk, I was nine years old. And so wow. 
it was a long time that I used alcohol as a tool. So quitting drinking was, that was a way bigger challenge. What I think is interesting that I know you've said, and I'm hearing you say it now, is that there's always this little bit of fight in you, even though you feel all of these things like the hopelessness and anxious and shameful and guilty and just you, self-hatred. You just don't like who you are, but there's still something inside of you that's making you read the books, listen to the podcast, go to the workshops. What do you think that is? Or can you speak to that at all? I mean, I feel like that's yeah, so I crucial. Would- it is crucial. Well, I would offer that it's it's your true self. It's your infinite self. Um, I love that. Know, some people might say it's your soul, the light that you are. You know, it's the it's the pure essence of you, of me, of everyone. And this is, you know, love, pure love, whatever you want to call it, whatever resonates for you. And so the goal is to feed that part of you, right? What we mm-hmm. focus on expands. Yeah. What we focus on expands. Yes. And totally. so, you know, when you are looking for happiness or you're looking for light, you focus on those things. You focus yeah. on the goodness around you and you get help when you're in trouble. Like People that have um, serious addiction, they need help. I mean, I didn't do it alone. I went to a 12-step program. With the drugs, I did actually just decide to stop because I was I was scared to death that I was going to die. And that yeah. was enough for me. You know, yeah. making a cold break worked. Right. What a mindset shift, too, to think about these things that you don't like about yourself and using them to your advantage. I mean, I feel like that's your whole messaging. I mean, how, where did that idea come from for you? I just knew that there was something, there was something better. And so I just kept going in that direction. Yeah. Like we were talking about earlier, I had always been on a spiritual quest, but I wasn't taking action in a positive way because I was too busy drinking and drugging. So once I stopped doing that, then I could start living you know, I could start taking action and I could start living in a positive manner. Like the first step is to take care of yourself. I had to start taking care of myself, you know, um, stop poisoning myself. And then once I stopped drinking, because I started at such a young age, I had to relearn everything, how to take care of me, how to say no, how to, uh, you know, look after my needs, like look after my physical needs, what to eat, you know, getting enough sleep, getting enough exercise, um, you know, paying attention to the people that I was around, being with people that I admired, people that were positive, that treated me well, right? Like Mm -hmm. I deserve to be treated well. And so there I was treating everybody else well, but I wasn't always getting that in return. And just noticing how to look after myself was a big thing. And it's there's a very strong connection between our, our physical well-being and our mental well-being. Because when we are not physically well, then our mind is so vulnerable to the negative thinking and the negative yeah. actions, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know why that was not common sense. Like, I feel like it's not common sense for a lot of people. And when I realized that it was like, oh, like no shit. If I 
eat whole foods. I drink water. I move my body. I physically take care of myself, try to make connections with other people. My brain would work better and I won't feel so anxious all the time. It's crazy to think about it. And I think it's crazy how such simple things make a difference. I, I remember one time I was, you know, I'm working so hard all the time to be the best version of myself and live this wonderful life and all of these things I need to achieve. And if I don't achieve all of these great, wonderful things, then I'm not going to be fulfilled. And then I was kind of, I was moving to a new place and I was thinking about where I wanted to live. And I always found the cheapest apartment. And so that always meant it wasn't a very nice place. And uh, even though I could afford something a little more, it was like I I prioritized other things over that. And um, I, like, think, like the car I drive is, again, I'm going the cheapest route and it's a tiny little Chevy Spark. Like it's not very comfortable. It doesn't work for road trips. And it's like, there's these simple things that I could do to upgrade my life instead of Think, like thinking that it's got to be some like monstrous, huge, radical change that you have to make. And I don't know, it just like it makes such a difference to realize that, oh, yeah, like if I just wash my face every morning because that makes me feel good, that's one way to upgrade my life. It doesn't have to be like catastrophic. Exactly. And uh, like little things, it's all about doing things consistently, right? Mm -hmm. So you choose yeah. something to do, uh, you know, like, you know, meditating first mm -hmm. thing in the morning and meditating doesn't have to be a major undertaking. Um, you know, it can be five minutes. It can be five minutes to spend time with you and getting into this practice of prioritizing your self care. It just, it opens you up, right? Like I'm involved with an app and it's called live aligned. And so this is the premise of the app is that if you do something small every day, your brain first, the first 30 minutes of the day, your brain is the most open. It's the most malleable and it's the best time to learn and do different things. And so this app has all of these lessons that are 25 minutes or less. And so I've got different lessons on there about unleashing the power of your emotion because you are the master of your emotions. It's not yes. the other way around, yes. right? And this is what we buy into in society is like, I am sad, I am angry, but you're not. Mm -hmm. You feel sad, you yes. feel angry, right? Yes. And when you, when you make that, that's a simple shift. Mm -hmm. I feel sad. That means that the sadness, there's a separation between you and the sadness and the sadness will move on. Like all of our emotions are energy in motion. That is the point. They're here to help us, to give us a lesson and then move on. Yeah. Right. And where we get in trouble, where I certainly did and where I see other people get in trouble is we hold on to them like resentments and anger and fear and sadness. When we you know, hold them inside of ourselves, which I did for decades because I thought that was what I was supposed to do. Yeah. But that ended up making me very sick. So yeah. So simple things every day. Um, that's when it just gets easier and easier to care for yourself. And, you know, like we've talked about all the way along, accepting yourself 
in the moment yeah. as you are and that you are doing the best you can. And, you know, as Maya Angelou used to say, when you know better, you do better. Yes. Right? God. Yeah. Awareness is such a huge piece of it. Absolutely. It's 50% of it. I always say. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And, you know, I'm not the person I was at 25, at 35, at 45, but that's because I've done so many different things in between that time. But when I look back at those versions of myself, I've learned to love those versions of myself because they did the best they could in the moment, right? Yeah. We can only do what we know at the time. And it's not fair to look back and go, well, that stupid bitch, look at what she did. That's just unreasonable. You wouldn't do that to your friends. So why do we do it to ourselves? Totally. So is that how you would say you aren't your past? Like that you would connect you that way, that you're no longer your past? Like, I feel like sometimes you feel, or at least I will feel guilty about things like that. Like how you were just explaining, like that stupid bitch, how could she behave like that? That's so embarrassing. How could I let that happen to me? And then you get so wrapped up in that. And I also think it makes it hard to evolve because you feel like, well, I'm already this person. Like I'm already the person that people pleases. I'm already the person that's the nice girl that's, you know, that doesn't stand up for herself. And everybody already knows that they can just treat me like that. And it would be insane for me to come over to the group and start standing up for myself all of a sudden. That seems embarrassing or strange or out of character. Is that essentially what that is? When, when we're looking at evolving, it's, it's, it's about integrating everything that's happened to us. So mm-hmm. all of these versions of myself have made me who I am today. I would not be this woman if I hadn't had all of those experiences and all of those lessons. All right. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I've done a lot of exploration into the past to look at what happened, to express the emotions around it, and then to accept them, accept it and learn from it. Yeah. Right. So, you know, the guilt is going to still, the guilt will be there until it's expressed. Mm -hmm. That's the way it is. So, you know, the work I do now as a transformation guide is, is I support people in going and exploring these things that are holding them back so that they can express it and learn from it and move forward. Yeah, absolutely. So you can't ignore your past. I that doesn't work. I you know, I drank, I drank to ignore my past. I did drugs. That was in you know, it was a failure. That was an epic fail. I was miserable and I didn't <laughs> want that life. Yeah. So it's doing things differently and getting support to do it because mm-hmm. it's we're not supposed to do everything alone. That's not the way that in my experience, you know, connection is the most important thing to me. And all of my greatest lessons I've learned from coaches, from mentors, from friends. It's like, if I, if I knew this stuff, I would be doing it. It's like other people turn me on to things and then now I know it. And so I turn other people onto it. Absolutely. Which comes back to that statement that you made about how you can only do as best as you can do. And that's good enough. Uh-huh. How would you hold yourself to a standard that of something you don't even know? <laughs> I think something that I comes into play there, though, is that feeling of like, when you do know, when you do know what you could do, and there's this knowledge to skill gap that you feel like, oh, I know that I'm not supposed to be doing it, but like, you don't have the 
it's almost like the skill. I don't know the strength to start taking those things over. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, we keep doing things until they don't, you know, we can't stand it anymore. And this is the change thing. And in my book, there's a beautiful uh, poem um, about this woman. And, and, you know, I walk down the street. uh, There's a hole in the street. I fall in. I get up. The next day I walk down the street. I know there's a hole there in the street. I still fall in. (laughs) You know, the next day um, I walk down the street. I see the hole. I, you know, I bypass it. And then the next day I go down a different street. Like it takes what it takes for us to learn the lesson. Mm -hmm. This is where the, you know, acceptance comes in. It's like, okay, you know, what do you want? And if you keep doing things that are destructive and you're not able to do it by yourself, you get help. That is what you do. You ask for help. And that is the most precious gift that you can give to yourself. And when you ask someone else for help, it's also a gift for them. So this whole idea of like, oh, it's too much trouble, blah, blah, blah. Just, you know, let go of that and let the other person decide whether or not it's too much trouble. I love that. Absolutely. I think that about people pleasing a lot, like that you're doing a disservice to people because you're not telling them your true emotions. It's up to them to decide what they want to put up with and what they don't want to put up with. And if they don't tell you that, that's not your problem. That's their problem. It is. And, And you have to, like, I remember when I started long before I was a coach, but I mean, I was in recovery. And so the 12 steps you're learning all the time, right? How to be in the world. And the thing about boundaries is I need not only like I needed to teach myself how to have boundaries and I needed to teach the people in my life. So, you know, I would always say to somebody, okay, because I was a people pleaser and the only way to stop doing it was to stop doing it. So I'd say, okay, here's the thing. The way that I want to live my life is that I want to do only the things that I want to do. Mm-hmm. If I don't want to do it, I want to say no. Yeah. And I want people to accept my no and respect my no. Yeah. And so, you know, Gandhi said, be the change you want to see. And so this is what I would give to my friends. I would tell my friends, I'd ask them something, do you want to do this? And there would be the caveat. It's okay if you don't just tell me. And I will accept you and I will love you anyway, because it's okay to say no. Yes. It's totally okay. And so, you know, people have, um, you know, fondness for me because they know they can always be honest. They can always be themselves because that's what I expect. I expect to be myself and, and other people accept it if they don't. I mean, that is their problem, but it certainly feels better when people accept you. Be the change you want to see. If you want to be yourself, then encourage other people to be themselves. You want to have healthy boundaries, encourage the people in your life to have healthy boundaries. So you can't you can't live your life where you get to say no, but if anybody else says no, then you're pissed off and you treat them like shit. That's not allowed. You have right. to be loving to them when they say no. Do you actually say that to people? Like, do you say I love and accept you anyways? Cause that is the coolest fucking thing. I love that. 
Yeah. I mean, well, I would think I said accept you. I would just say, I, you know, I love you anyway. That's just always the way I am. If I yeah. love somebody, I love them. Yeah. And how, I mean, what a normal thing to say to somebody, but it's also, I feel like people don't do that because it's vulnerable, but if you're, you have quality people in your life, doesn't matter that you would just say that to them. Oh, well, you know, I love you. Just tell me if you don't want to do it. I don't care. It's fine. Just ask. Exactly. Me. I like that. Exactly. You had talked about your uh, emotions being your body telling you what that something is wrong, that something is either wrong inside or something is wrong on the outside that needs to change. Can you talk about that? Absolutely. Um, making friends with a boogeyman. Like yeah. this is, this is the story of my life because I was, the messages I was, the messages I heard, cause I'll take responsibility for this. The messages I heard growing up, it's not okay to have intense feelings. It's not okay to put your emotions on display. It's not okay to express your emotions. You will shut that shit down now. You will keep it to yourself. You will push it in your body and do whatever it takes to, you know, keep a brave face and look good and, you know, act proper, right? Mm -hmm. Well, that takes a toll on you, right? This, you know, for me, it showed up with addiction and drugs because I hated the way that I felt. Um, I hated myself and all of those things and I wasn't expressing any of it. So it, 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 like for me, it, it, it's physical pain. Like I can feel in my body, um, like, uh, one of the biggest issues of my life growing up, I talk about in the book and that was just, that was just pain in my chest, pain in my chest all the time. And then yeah. when I started ex exploring what's going on in there, with the support of a very talented, gifted couple of coaches, which I talk about in the book. It's like you go, I went into the darkness and I experienced the fear and the anger that was in there. And then I was able to let it go because I understood why it was there because the things that happened to me, of course I would be angry. Like yes. any normal human being would be angry, but I didn't get the chance to express it the way that I needed to. And it's mm -hmm. so you find a place to express the anger safely. And then you learn, oh, you know, anger is a healthy thing. Anger tells us that if something is wrong, anger tells us that a boundary has been crossed and it gives us all this energy so that we can do something different. You know, if somebody is threatening us physically, Anger is a gift because it, it gives us the strength to protect ourselves. We need these things. Yeah. The problem is when we suppress these things and we don't let it out, then it builds up and it can become depression and it can become addiction. It can, it's just, you know, it's, it's like the child that isn't getting attention and it keeps acting out more and more and more until you pay attention to the child or the puppy or the other human being, because we are going to start acting weird when the anger we're, we're trying to hold it all in mm -hmm. and it comes out sideways. Like you'll be cranky at work or you'll be mean to your husband or you'll act inappropriately in the grocery store because you know, the, the cashier did something wrong. Like, that yeah. anger is got to come out somewhere. So why don't, you know, the most powerful thing I can do is I can choose when I'm going to let the anger out. 
so that again, I'm the master of the anger. The anger is not the master of me. Absolutely. And I think that's where feeling through your emotions comes into play, that you have to allow yourself to feel through those emotions. But I think what you're saying is so pivotal because you can still feel through your emotions and still be like, oh, I'm, I'm just angry. I'm upset. I'm anxious. I'm whatever. And not like that and still be beating yourself up and hating yourself for feeling that way. But when you take the mindset shift of it's my body telling me something and thinking, okay, what is happening inside me? What is happening in my life? What is somebody else doing that I need to focus my energy on there instead of feeling like, my life is horrible. This is all happening. I don't want to feel this way. I think that makes like a huge difference. Yeah. Well, this is the thing is choosing to take ownership of my life is the most, the most empowering thing that I ever did. It's like, I am the master of my life. I decide what works for me and what doesn't. I have no control over any other human being. First of all, guaranteed, hands down, I have no control over any other person. So it's like if I'm in a relationship and something isn't working, the first thing I need to do is admit, okay, this isn't working for me. What do I need? And it's like, okay, can I give it to myself? Or, you know, you know, asking the other person to be honest with someone. Like, and I talk about this in my book as well. It's like, not every relationship is meant to last. So I'm in a relationship, whether it's a friendship, a work colleague, my husband, I'm in a relationship, something's going on that isn't working for me. Okay. It's going to be uncomfortable to have that conversation with another human being. Is, is this relationship worth that discomfort? Yeah. I have to decide for myself. And if it is, then I go in, I take ownership for what's happening with me. And I say, you know, I've noticed this is happening and I feel sad when this happens. You know, what I would like is if we could do this, you know, tell me what you're thinking, right? So like, there's going to be an exchange and that other person is either going to say, screw you, I'm not going to do that. Or they'll say, okay, well, you know, I respect you and I'm sorry to hear that, but I can't do whatever it is that you want me to do, et cetera. So then, you know, you've explored it in the relationship. You'll negotiate, right, for your needs to be met. And part of that means that I take responsibility for my needs. I need to look after myself. You know, this is why my husband and I have been together for 16 years, because I'm willing to take responsibility for how I feel. I don't blame him for anything. If something comes up, I will explore it with him, but it's not his fault. My feelings are my feelings and I get to decide what I'm going to do with them. And if he's not able to help me out, uh, you know, like a typical thing, I don't drive. So my husband and I have an agreement. I will ask him for a ride and he can say yes or no. And like we talked about earlier, when he says no, I respect his no and I love him anyway. I don't treat him like I don't start acting pissy because he said no to me. I don't tell him to go and sleep on the couch because he didn't do what I wanted. I asked, he said no. Okay, what are the other ways that I can get where I'm going? 
-hmm. I can take a bus. I can take a cab. I can ask someone else for a ride. I can walk. There's Uber. There's a million ways for me to look after myself when I start looking for the ways to look after myself. Absolutely. And I think it's, again, you take your responsibility for yourself. Like you're the one that doesn't drive. You're the one that feels that way. So you have to be the one to navigate your own life and not rely on another person to make your life better, easier, happier, whatever. And then have the, I don't know, what do you think that is? Like have the strength to be able to end the relationship if it doesn't serve you? Well, I mean, sure. If it gets bad enough, I guess, but I mean, that's a lot of soul searching, right? Like is there, is the like a perfect example before my husband and I started going out, I was very attracted to him. We worked together. However, we knew each other because of friends. Like I was, uh, you know, I was very good friends with his sister and uh, like godmother to her children. So I knew his parents. So there was a lot of family relationship, which is why I ended up working in the same office as him. Mm -hmm. So I fell in love with him. And he would, I told him that I was interested in him and he wasn't interested in me. And I was like, okay. So I cried and it was very sad. And I got that out of my system and I let go of that. I asked for what I wanted. I didn't get it. So fine. Kept working there. And then he started flirting with me again. Cause my husband is a very flirty individual and it was making me sick. I was a nervous wreck. I was so wracked with anxiety because I didn't know how to deal with that. And I was seeing a counselor at the time and she's like, you need to quit that job and get away from that man because you will never meet another man while you are there. And he doesn't want you because you're just going to be sucked into that. And so I'm like, okay, I got to quit my job. So I remember that moment, you know, when I made the decision, I'm going to call him, I'm going to tell him I quit my job. And in that moment, that was letting go of everything that I knew. It was letting go of my job. It was letting go of all of the hopes and and love and attraction, all these feelings I had for him. But inside, I knew that there would be someone else. And that's what gave me the strength is that I truly believed, like it is not even a belief. I knew in my body, in my being, that there was someone else for me. If it wasn't him, There was someone else because I deserve to have a man, a partner who loves and adores me and treats me well. And if it's not him, it'll be somebody else. And this is, you know, this is feng shui. You get the stuff out of the way and then new stuff comes in. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I called, I quit. He was shocked. And then the next day I went to work and he asked me out because he realized that he cared for me too. And he didn't want to lose me. And so here we are, you know. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. And I talk about all that in the book too. Do you? Okay. I haven't gotten there yet. That's awesome. I feel like, I don't know. It's interesting because you, you know, that there is that better part of you, but I'm assuming that's not something or that there's, there would be somebody better out there for you, but I'm assuming that's not something that you've always carried. Like, I think that I've been in relationships that I've been cheated on and stuff. And uh, recently my boyfriend went on a trip um, for work. And I had people being like, Oh, are you worried that he's going to do anything? And it was like, no, because not even talking about trusting him, but I know that I've already been through that. And I know that I have 
that I know that I will be okay, that I know I'm a better person because of what I've been through and that I will be all right. If that happens again, it'll suck. My life will change. I'll have to move. I'll have to like change my whole life. But I mean, life goes on. Do you think that that was the kind of the similar thing for you that it was like, obviously I didn't always feel that way. Yeah. Well, again, this is like, you feel that way until you don't. And yeah, yeah. Um, like I just, I had it, it, in that specific instance, I was just so miserable and I didn't want to be that miserable anymore. So it's like, okay, well, I need to do something differently. Like you've talked about on your podcast. If you want something different, do something different. You cannot do the same thing over and over and expect a different result. That is insanity. The definition of insanity, Albert Einstein. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So thinking then about this, making it to this like transformative space, how do you feel when I say to you, one day I'll be happy? I would invite you to make that today. And start, you know, this moment, like happiness, no matter how miserable my experience, okay, my experience, no matter how miserable I am, there is always a point in my day where something good happens. Okay, so perfect example, I was thinking about this before this podcast. One of the saddest occasions of my life was my mother's funeral. Mm. So I was devastated. We go to the um, uh, internment where they're, we're putting her ashes to rest and we're playing music because uh, my mom loved music. She loved to dance. She was a singer. And so we're listening to this music and I'm at a funeral, but I'm overcome with this happiness because my mom loved to dance and she loved she was such a joyful being. And so here I am in front of a lot of people I don't know. And I started dancing, dancing through the crowd, just going on this emotion of my mom being such a joyous human being. And there was all of these people there that knew my mom from a young age, from when she first came to Canada. And I didn't know them, but they knew my mom. So they knew who she was and what she was like. So I was dancing around and having a wonderful time. And then the sadness came in and I started bawling my eyes out because of course she's gone and I was devastated and I bawled and I was shaking and my dad wanted me to be quiet because it was embarrassing how much sound I was making. But anybody that has felt grief knows it's unbearable and you got to let it out of your body. Yeah. So you can have, you know, extreme sadness and extreme joy in, in the same day. Like they're all there. And, you know, the simplest thing to offer is to be here in this moment, to be here in this moment and be open to whatever's in front of you. And trusting that it'll always ebb and flow that you're going to be happy and that's going to go away. And then you're going to be sad again. And then you're going to be angry and then you're going to be embarrassed and then you're going to be guilty. And it's just always, you have to trust that the good feelings will come back again. Absolutely. And that intentionally choosing joy. I would say so. Like, okay. You know, like when we talked about, like I say to people, that people say, what do you do? And I say, I help people make room for joy. And what that means is getting 
anything that isn't joy out of the way. So like, you know, you've got resentments with family members. We get rid of that. There's more joy that comes up. You know, there's grief because uh, that you never dealt with over divorce or someone passing. You know, we address that and move it out of the way. Experience it, express it and learn from it. All of these things so that you are always perfect. You are always perfect, whole and complete because, you know, this infinite part of yourself never changes. So wherever you go in your life, this this part of you is there. Like it's there with me now. It'll be there with me when I'm 90. That's who I was when I was four years old. You know, that beautiful light, that love, it's always in me wherever I go. Yeah, absolutely. So we know that it's a healing process. It's a journey, but I feel like sometimes it can feel like there's that sudden shift in your mind. Do you feel like it is? I mean, I feel like I know what you're going to say, but do you feel like it is more of a process or do you think that there is a shift that happens that you transform into this healed for lack of a better word or like this best version of yourself? Um, You know, it's continual choices. You're going to have like, Aha. Uh, well, my experience is I've had epic moments. Like when I quit drinking, that was, you know, that was life changing. I had no idea what, how different my life was going to be. And, and I couldn't know in that moment because the only way to handle addiction that I'm aware of is like one minute at a time, one hour, one day at a time. That's all I can do because I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So this is like being in the present moment, Mm -hmm. you know, and having these epic shifts where, you know, uh, when I was able to release the last anger about, you know, childhood intense experiences, I remember that moment. And I just remember how much more space there was in my body because I wasn't holding on to all of that shit. Mm -hmm. And it's a, it's a process. It is a process. And it's different for everyone. I would say the most important thing is to believe that it's possible. Because when I believed that it was possible, that is when things changed. When I believed it was possible. If I think of that's impossible, I can't do it. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter what I do. Nothing's going to shift. I have to believe it's possible. And it's like, even though there's no evidence sometimes for things it's like I still choose to believe because that feels better like what feels good in your body right and I think it comes back to that like fighter that even though you're feeling all these shitty emotions but you have that little piece of you that has hope that there's something better that you're gonna feel better that you're gonna become your best self it's like you can almost believe in that and know that that has to be for a reason and I'll take it even a step further because The way I look at my emotions now, like my book, my book, Making Friends with the Boogeyman. So I love that cover, by the way. That's so I know Emily for sure did this cover. She's a very talented digital artist. And well, she's a very talented artist, period. So (laughs) making friends with the boogeyman. This is accepting everything about me. So even though I feel angry, I love and accept myself. And that's a practice. That's a choice. And the more I do it, the easier it becomes. So I realized that, you know, if I feel anxiety, 
the anxiety is trying to tell me something. So like, it's my friend. It's not the enemy anymore. Like for so many decades, fear was the enemy. Anger was the enemy. Anxiety was the enemy. Sadness was the enemy. Shame was the enemy. And now what I've learned and what I share with others is even shame has a positive intention for me. That is how I live my life. And I talk about that in the book. It's like when I can accept these emotions and understand that there's something good for me in this, Mm -hmm. it just makes it so much easier. So then, you know, when I, when I know that fear is good for me, it's giving me information, you know, fear keeps me alive. I need fear. Yeah. So, you know, most of the like fear of course is, you know, about life or death. Most of the time in today's world, I'm, my life isn't in danger. It's mm-hmm. just, I might feel like it is because my body doesn't know the difference. Mm-hmm. So I have the fear. I, you know, I don't hide from it. I open a conversation with the fear that's going, what can I learn from this fear? Like express it. What am I afraid of? What yeah. am I afraid of? What's going on here? And, and, you know, find a safe way to express it. Could be journaling, could be talking with a friend, could be a counselor, a coach, whatever it is for you to move through these things. But knowing that they're on your side, your emotions are on your side and learning how to work with them. Elizabeth Gilbert, the author of Eat, Pray, Love, she talks about fear and she said something that was like so impactful for me. Uh, She said that fear, she, fear can come in the car, but it can't drive. It can't control the radio. It can't bring the snacks. So like it's okay. It can sit there, but it's in the backseat. You're not allowed to contribute at all to the conversation. And I just felt like, oh my God, totally. It makes it feel like I don't know, not like you're not suppressing and trying to like get rid of this bad feeling, finding the good in it, taking from it what you will, and then being like, all right, but I can't let it control what I'm going to do, how I'm going to direct my life. And I think that really comes back to changing your wording, which I know you talk about in your book. And I mean, you talked about it earlier in the show about how saying, I feel sad, I feel angry compared to I am those things and separating yourself from those, which I totally relate to because I remember when I first was learning about like anxiety and like that being like such, I dare I say it almost like a fad that it's like, Oh, that reason for all your problems. It was like, Oh, that, that makes sense. I'm anxious. I am anxious. I'm an anxious person. And the moment that I decided that I'm no longer going to identify myself as an anxious person, I feel like it was the biggest step towards not being that way anymore. Congratulations. Well done. (laughs) You you get to decide who you are, Sarah, you get to decide. Mm -hmm. And, you know, anxiety is just a part of me. I mean, I, oh my God, I have had in my life intense anxiety. I've experienced intense anxiety. And, you know, part of that is because I feel things very deeply. Yes, me too. Exactly. And so I relate to you so much in your book when you were like, I watch TVs and movies and like get like so scared and I'm crying and I'm into when the person I'm like, that is me. I get like way too involved (laughs) in all of those kinds of things. Yeah. And so it's like learning to embrace. I'm that that's, that's the way I experience life. I experience things very deeply and I love that about myself because 
you know, the thing is, is that with anxiety, once I learn to accept it and it's like, okay, well, what can I do so that, you know, things so that I don't feel as intensely like a simple thing, right? I remember talking to my doctor about, you know, all this anxiety and he's like, how much coffee do you drink? And I'm like, well, you know, one or two venti cups of coffee a day. And he's like, (laughs) that's hilarious the thing with the coffee too is like if you just like it's like you feel the anxiety and because your brain knows what that feels like you automatically think that you're supposed to be like anxious about something you know what I mean yeah your body feels that reaction and you're like okay I gotta find something to worry about exactly and so here's the thing again like we talked earlier it's like looking after your physical yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Is, is that's the, that's the easiest way to help you have to help you manage your emotions because, mm-hmm. you know, and I talk about this in the book too, is like, I learned this in recovery because I didn't know nobody told me that. Right. <laughs> it's like, okay, if you're hungry, you need to eat something. Mm-hmm. You're going to feel better if you eat something. Yes. You know? If you're exhausted, go to bed. Mm-hmm. You're going to feel better if you go to bed and get some sleep. Yeah. You know? And you're going to get more done if you take care of yourself. It's like you don't make time to eat and you don't rest because you're like, well, I got to do all the things and whatever the reason is that you're not doing it, but you're not going to do anything well if you're not taking care of yourself. Exactly. And and it's like choosing that, right? My, my One of my favorite sayings is, uh, take care of yourself so you can take care of others. Yeah, it's true. You know? Can't pour from an empty cup. Really? And so this is like, you know, thankfully in society today, there's more and more of that message. Mm-hmm. However, there is still a lot of, you know, you got to work 60 hours. You got to work hard, 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 hard. If you're not exhausted, you're not successful. I mean, I just yes. buy into that. That is not what I want. I want to, I want to enjoy what I'm doing. I want to enjoy my life. And and that's, you know, every moment paying attention to what's going on. If I'm hungry, eat something. If I'm angry, I need to address that. You know, Mm -hmm. somebody uh, irritated me. I need to look at why am I bothered by this? Is Mm -hmm. it what, what do I need to do differently? Because that's what the anger is telling me is that I need to do something differently. Right. We were talking about that knowledge to skill gap and feeling frustrated with like the awareness space, but not feeling like you can take action on it. So instead of me asking what you would tell your untransformed self, what would you tell the like partially transformed self, like the you that had made the decision, but just wasn't where you wanted to be yet? That's an excellent question. I would be like, you can, you absolutely can do it. Mm -hmm. You can. So instead of asking why questions, like, why is this happening to me? Why can't I do it? Ask how questions. How can this be better for me? Mm -hmm. How can I do things differently? Ask how, because your brain is like a supercomputer and it's going to look for solutions. So if you start asking how questions, you're going to start coming up with solutions. 
Yeah, absolutely. I like that. I like the how. I've never really thought of it like that. That would totally make a difference. Again, changing the words that you're using makes a huge difference. And it's simple. It's not brain surgery. Like anybody can do that. Any one of us can do that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, like in in the more evolved we become, like, you know, the further along in our journey, Mm -hmm. there's always, you know, that whole thing of, well, I should know better right? That voice comes up. I still hear that voice. Like, you know, I'm a, I'm a transformation guide for God's sake, right? I should know better. However, I'm a human being first. I'm a spiritual being having a human experience. Mm-hmm. And the human experience is that shitty things happen. Yeah. You know, things happen that I am not enjoying that <laughs> suck, etc. It's like, okay, so this is happening. What's happening? Uh, what's not working? What What's the advantage in this situation? Because, you know, that is what I choose. I choose that life is wonderful, that life is beautiful. That is one of my core beliefs that I choose every day to believe that life is beautiful. And, you know, I went on this spiritual retreat when I got that download. And I was able to look at my life And all of the horrid things that I've experienced, you know, like the intense experiences from my childhood, all of the suffering, all of the addiction, all of the pain that had happened in the past. And I could see the beauty in all of it because it shaped me into who I am today. And so I'm grateful for those things. Totally. I think... A common misconception is that I think we talked about this a little bit is that when you become the best version of yourself, it's fitting into this like specific box that you're like, okay, so the best version of myself looks like X, Y, and Z, because that's what society told me. Friends told me, family told me. I'm trying to highlight that you are your own best version of yourself. Like it's up to you to decide what the best version of yourself is. So I'm curious what you define as your own best version of yourself. Wow, these are great questions. Thanks. <laughs> the best version of myself. Mm. Yeah, the best version of myself is, you know, love and kindness and openness, honesty. So all of those things, right? And honesty is like, you know, we keep, I keep learning, right. I'm, I'm working on my eating right now, for example, how to eat the healthiest for me. And that's, me too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so like, that's challenging and, and negative thinking comes up and, you know, I can make a mistake and eat the wrong thing or get obsessed about eating the wrong thing. Thankfully, yep. it's a lot more obsessing than there is actually eating. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. And it's like, okay, well, what, why is this coming up and what's going on here? And how can I, how can I look after me? Cause it's just, mm-hmm. you know, there's a, there's a, a song and I can't remember the, the name of the guy, but it's everything is love or a calling for love. Everything oh. is love or a calling for love. And so whenever I'm having these experiences where I don't feel great, it's like, how can I love myself more? That's the person that I want to be because that's the way I want to be with others. So why wouldn't I want to be that way with myself? 
Yeah, I love that. What's interesting about the um, the food thing too is we I feel like we've touched on this several times as you're trying to break down what those emotions are trying to tell you. You have some reaction towards eating and you're like, what is happening? Why am I reacting this way? Something else happens. Why am I reacting this way? Obviously there are different things, but I just feel like a lot of it does typically come back down to the same thing. Like when I think of eating and my emotions that come up with that, I think like, okay, fear of failure. And then like I go to work and I'm like, why am I angry about this? And then I'm like, oh, fear of failure. Or I do something with my friends and I'm afraid somebody's going to reject me. And I'm like, oh, fear of failure. And so it's like interesting where like if you figure that out and break that down, it's likely that then you can focus on your fear of failure, whatever your issue is and solve problems in like several areas of your life all at one time. You can. Yeah. Because there's patterns, right? We keep doing the same thing. So, you know, if it's fear of failure, how would you rather feel? Right. How How would I rather feel? Uh, You know, I'd rather feel confident. Uh, I I'd rather feel accepted. I'd rather feel whatever it is. Like I I'd rather feel welcome. Because then when you have that answer, you can seek that out. And like you say, what you focus on is what comes up. So you say, okay, how would I rather feel? I'd rather feel confident. Well, how can I behave? That's going to help me be in alignment with confidence. Totally. Absolutely. Absolutely. And all the way along, accepting who I am when I'm having these experiences because there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with being angry. This is one of the things that um, I see with clients, especially, you know, um, female bodied individuals struggle with expressing their anger because somewhere along the way, they picked up the message that it's not nice to be angry or we shouldn't be angry or, or whatever bullshit mm-hmm. has been served up. Right. Yeah. Because, and, and, you know, I have a very strong personality. And when, when I was drinking, my anger was so intense that people were afraid to be around me because it is an energy that comes sure. out. And so um, when we turn anger in inside, we don't allow it to express. It's hurting us. Mm-hmm. It's hurting us. So it, you know, it really is allowing yourself an opportunity to express that anger in a safe way. And that goes for men too. Cause again, there's nothing wrong with anger. What's wrong is what behavior we choose, what actions we take, you know? And, and the thing is, is if we're actually um, navigating the anger, if we're accepting it and we are addressing it, then we're not going to act inappropriately. Mm-hmm. It's, right. it's the inappropriate action happens because we're not dealing with whatever it is. So You know, this is, this is the, you know, if you take action, then you will do things differently. Like we said, you want a different result, do things differently. Mm -hmm. And all the way along, you know, not beating yourself up because you did something that you don't like, because that doesn't work. And I talk a lot about that in the book. Self-hatred is just another way to keep your yourself in whatever misery that you're in. That was my experience. So it's like, okay, enough with the self-hatred, you know, but I had to find 
other people that talked about it. That's why I talk about it. Like, I mean, the, the beautiful thing about 12 step programs is that when I went into the rooms of AA, people talked about their misery. They talked about the anger. They talked about the shame that they felt and the sadness. And then they talked about what they were doing about it. There was a solution. There was a solution. And so I was like, oh my God, there's a different way. Because up until that point, I thought drinking was the only solution. Mm -hmm. So I needed people to tell me, okay, wait, I feel like shit and drinking makes it worse. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. (laughs) Yeah. And again, it brings it back to that awareness. Like once you're aware that there's another way to think that there's another mindset to have, it's easier to have those mindsets. And so again, can't beat yourself up for things you didn't know. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And practice, 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 right? You You just keep doing it. And that's how it becomes a habit is practice. And so little things like just pick a little thing and keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. That's what I love about the live aligned app is it's like simple, but not easy, which we talked about before, you know, you're an alcoholic, stop drinking, simple, Mm -hmm. but not easy. Yep. I say that all the time here on Wellish. It's simple, but it's not easy. Well, yeah. And then the other thing is, it's like, well, what if it's easier than I think it's going to be? And so that's what I say to myself all the time. It's like when I start telling myself a story that it's going to be hard, Mm -hmm. well, what if it's not? What if this could be easy? How could this be easy? I was just going to say, how could it be easier? (laughs) Yeah. Nice. We're moving and it's like, you know, there's all these stories about how stressful moving is and it's the number, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, oh, how could this be easy for me? Mm-hmm. And so far, it has been really easy. We're getting ready. It's two weeks to the, uh, you know, two two weeks to it happens. And it's like, I'm excited. I yeah. get excited when a piece of furniture leaves the house because we sold it on, on Marketplace. I'm like, yeah. yeah, that was, I just moved three weeks ago. And so same experience. You get excited when you're selling the furniture on marketplace and you're asking yourself like, wow, can this be simple? And it's like, it was like a fun experience for my boyfriend and I, instead of like, this is horrible. You're pissing me off. Get out of my way. Yeah, totally. Exactly. It's like, okay, going through these boxes that I've been carrying around my whole life. I've got this box uh, from my childhood, it's full of magazines uh, and bubblegum cards and all these things. I don't need. <laughs> yeah, I know. My boyfriend's like, you're a hoarder. And I'm like, stop. It means something to me. <laughs> yeah, well, and some of it does and some of yeah. it doesn't. It's like, do I no, really totally. need this? So to wrap things up, I like to play a game called Kind of Toxic, Kind of Well, because I think it really helps highlight people like you who are transformed best versions of themselves already and show that they are still human. Like you were talking about a human being living a human experience. So I have nine quick questions to go through with you. Are you ready? Oh yeah. I'm excited. Okay. Deal. So who or what are you jealous of? Ooh. Oh, well, I mean, I would say that I admire people that are uh, like successful coaches that are, you know, have a huge audience and they're making a huge difference in the world. And so those are the people that I, 
I admire. And I was like, oh, wouldn't it be great to be that? Wouldn't it be great to be doing that? Oh, look at what she's doing. Look what she's doing. Look what he's doing. Mm-hmm. I love it. I like that you changed the word. It is because I, because I I don't, yeah, I, I choose to be positive as much as I can. And Absolutely. it's like, there's a great saying, um, you know, one of my mentors, uh, when, when we, like I'm in a master coach program. And so we meet regularly and we celebrate each other's successes because when you win, we all win, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're all connected. Mm-hmm. And so why not be happy for the other person? Cause that feels good. It feels good to be happy for someone else and know, hey, if if they're doing that, I could do that. Exactly. You know that it's possible. It's now in your awareness. Yep. Absolutely. I love it. When is the last time you people please instead of doing or saying what you really wanted? Oh goodness. Well, it's probably in my relationship with my husband. (laughs) You know, watching like watching a movie I don't want to watch. Yeah. Same. <laughs> that's hilarious. I feel like that's how most people answer that question is that it has to do with their significant other or their family, which I think is happens, you know, when are you selfish? Hmm. You know, again, I, I don't use that word. I just selfish is self-love. Yeah. Right? Like if it's for my best, like if I need to take a nap, or I need to go outside and take a walk because it's sunny. Like the sun's out. This is the rainy season where I am. If the sun's out, I'm going to go and take a walk. With my <laughs> Absolutely. What, what kind of moments are happening that you decide to take that self time? I just know, like one of my knowings is that when I'm well, when I look after me, then I'm more available to other people. So yeah. like I'm a better I, I am kinder to my husband when I look after myself. Mm-hmm. That simple. So it's a regular thing that you do, we would say. Yeah, that's awesome. Sweet. What do you find yourself overthinking about? God, what don't I find myself overthinking <laughs> about? That's, that is definitely, that is, yeah, my biggest work in progress is like, okay, enough thinking about that. This is why I journal every morning is to get it out, get it out of my head and then move on and make a decision. My business, probably overthinking about my business, overthinking about my relationship. That's mm-hmm. happens a lot. So cool. yeah, it's just the conversation is like, okay, focus on the love here in this situation. And, and then let's see what we're going to do. How can there be more love in this situation? Whenever we have a disagreement and my mind starts going crazy about, well, he did this, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. It's like, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. What's actually happening here? Yeah, absolutely. As if I'm judging him, like we had a situation very recently. And uh, so there was something he was doing that I was very, I was feeling really um, irritated by and I was judging it harshly. And it's like, oh, if this is coming up so strongly, how am I doing this to him? And that was a great question for myself because it's like, oh, yeah. You know, who's the kettle? Who's what is the saying? Kettle calling the Uh, the black. Yeah. Um, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Black over here calling the kettle black. (laughs) Calling the kettle black. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. How am I doing it? And it's like, okay. So then it's like, okay, admit it. Be honest about the 
a, the behavior that's not working for me. And then, you know, we had a conversation about it. I could admit that I was doing something I didn't like. And he was grateful for that. He's yeah. like, thank you. And, you know, that just brings us closer instead of totally. pushing us apart. Totally. I like it. Uh, what are you picky about? Oh, I'm picky about my kitchen. Like I'm picky. Things need to be done a certain way. I get into this like obsessive compulsive thing. So I'm constantly having that conversation about, okay, there's more than one way to do everything, but I tend, and this is what happens if I'm hungry or I'm tired or, you know, I'm lonely. There's some emotion. That's when I'm like, oh, so-and-so is doing it the wrong, the wrong way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'll have you know and it's usually my husband because I live with him so it's like bite my tongue he can do it whatever way he wants yeah I have the same issue though <laughs> that's hilarious what makes you quick to get angry uh if someone's mistreating someone do yeah like it. what are you afraid of Well, the first thing that came up is uh, I'm afraid of not being heard. That's a good one. Yeah, that's from, that's a lifelong thing because I wasn't for a long time. Right. Interesting. I like that one. I don't think I've heard that one yet. It's powerful. I like it. Because again, now that you know, you can (laughs) build on it. Um, What do you not have empathy for? I endeavor to have empathy for everything. And Mm -hmm. the reason that I can do that is because I've learned to separate the action from the person. And this, this comes from recovery, like being in the 12 steps, looking at, you know, how I have hurt other people and understanding, you know, what was going on with me when I hurt them, when I did things to hurt them and being able to accept what I did and to learn from that, I was able then to look at the people that, you know, that I had the biggest issues with and recognize that they're human too. So even, you know, whatever they've done, even individuals that, you know, have caused me physical harm, it's like, there's a person in there that did that. So it's not excusing the behavior, but it's, it's, again, it's leaving room for the human being that's very tortured that did that horrible thing because healthy people don't do horrible things. It's people yeah. that are damaged that damage other people. Yeah, and absolutely. So there's, yeah, there's room for empathy. I can choose empathy with anyone. Some people are, it's a lot more challenging. And again, it's allowing myself to have whatever emotion in the moment and express it safely so that I can get to a place of peace and calm where, where I can see that because, you know, I don't need to be around those people, right? This is the thing. It's like, you get to decide, it's, 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 I get to decide. And, you know, the more time I spend obsessing about, you know, like, for example, you know, I talk about this childhood experience and, um, where there was someone that did something horrible to my mother. And I mean, I, I was obsessed about that for decades. 
they didn't give a shit. It didn't affect them in any way, but it was right. robbing me of my happiness. Right. Yeah. I want to be happy. So I just don't spend a lot of time going in there with, you know, um, I used to spend a lot of time with righteous anger. Mm-hmm. That really fueled me for a long time because I had a lot of energy. And, you know, mm-hmm. there was a, there was a, I had this warrior identity that I'm going to protect people and I'm going to, you know, stand up for those. I can't stand up for them, but whatever, let that go. Someone else wants to stand up. Someone else wants to expend all that energy. Of course, I still speak up for people when I can, but it's like. It's not I your should, responsibility to do it all. Exactly. Each of us, it's, it's individually our responsibility and. And we can choose to help individuals, but ultimately people need to stand up for themselves. Like that's what I needed to do. And now I know how to do it all the time. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. If you could give one piece of advice to somebody trying to become more well than toxic, what would you, what advice would you give? Just be kind to yourself. Just be kind to yourself and know that you are an infinite being. And you have everything that you need inside of you. And you will find people to help you along the way because that's how it works. When you believe that you deserve to be happy, you can be happy. Amen. Heidi, thank you so much for being here. I loved this conversation. I had so much fun with you. Thank you, Sarah. You, oh my God, your questions were extraordinary. So thank you. Well, thank you so so much. Thank you for all that you're doing, Sarah to um spread that message that we are we are wonderful and we are you know wellish is good enough